1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation.
0: Real love is calling opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for with every sunrise.
2: The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness.
1: When you consider God's Word, do you marvel at the immense power that it contains and just how amazing our God is? As we look at chapter 10 in Revelation today with Pastor Gary, we'll catch a glimpse of some of what the Apostle John saw when God gave him a vision of what is to come. It must have been completely mind-blowing for John to witness the wonders and mysteries of God. As we read through, try to put yourself in John's place and take in all the sights and sounds of Revelation. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 10 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
2: We've made our way through the first several chapters. We're now in this section between Revelation 6 and 18 that has to do with seven years of tribulation that are going to come upon the earth. So don't let the timeline overwhelm you. We'll get to the rest of it as we make our way through the book of Revelation, but right now... The Apostle John sees things that the Lord shows him concerning future events, things that we would call the end times. Big fancy word is eschatology. That just means the study of end time events. And what God shows him is that between chapter 6 and 18, there will be a series of judgments that God will pour out upon the earth. Now, I believe that Revelation chapter 4 teaches that we're going to be taken from the earth so we won't go through this if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. The non-believers will be left behind. And the series of judgments that God will bring upon the earth is for the purpose of really awakening non-believers. And there will be a series of, the book of Revelation tells us, three different sets of seven events The first set of seven are the seven seals that are broken. John sees a scroll and the scroll is rolled up and then sealed with like a wax seal and then rolled up further and sealed again and rolled up further and sealed again. And it is only Jesus, the lamb who is worthy to take the scroll and break the seals. And as he does, uh, he announces a series of different judgments, the the wrath of God that is going to come upon the earth to awaken non-believers And that'll be followed by a series of seven trumpets that are blown by angels, and they will announce a series of judgments, and then that's followed by seven bowls that are poured out. Some translations say vials that are poured out upon the earth. And so we've made our way so far through the seven trumpets. We've gotten through trumpet number six. Trumpet number seven doesn't appear to us until the end of chapter 11, so we may get to that place as our stopping point tonight. But... Uh, when you come here to chapter 10, when you look at all the events that are these cataclysmic, uh, terrible things that are going to be happening upon the earth, by the time you get to to the end of chapter 9, which is um, now the blowing of the sixth trumpet, so we've been through the seven seals, we've been through now six out of seven trumpets, that half of the world's population is now gone. And, And that is either because... A combination of the Christians have been raptured, have been taken from the earth before the tribulation events, or as a result of people who have died, billions of people dying during the series of the seven seals and so far the six trumpets. So we are down to now only half of the world's population still on the planet at this time when we get here now to, to chapter 10. And I'm going to read all of chapter 10 and then we'll come back and dig it out. It's only, what is it, 11 11 verses. But I do want to point out to you in verse 1 of chapter 10 that when John starts this chapter by saying, I saw, what we have here now is the longest vision that John is given because we don't see the words, I saw, again until chapter 13, verse 1. And so all of chapter 10, all of chapter 11, all of chapter 12 is one vision, and it's a very long vision. Again, we're only going to get through a small part of it, but it's the longest recorded vision that God shows John from uh, chapter 10 verse 1 to chapter 13 verse 1. The other thing that is worth noting is this is also the longest interlude between judgments because you have a series of the seven seals that are broken, one after another, after another, after another, and then you have trumpets that are sounded one after another after another after another and at the second between the the sixth rather not the second between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet is this long interlude so there's this pause in God's judgment which again is probably a part of his mercy that you know there's this there's this lull and there's this moment where there's this interlude between the severity of these judgments and again, you know, uh, uh, trying to, you know, tap into the heart of God, it, it's, it's probably because God is like, okay, have you had enough yet? You know, ha- have you had enough before I unleash the seventh, blow the, sef- the seventh trumpet and then unleash the series of the seven bowls? Have you had enough? But unfortunately, as we mentioned at the close of chapter nine last week, it ends by saying, if you just glance back at verse 20, the end of chapter nine, it says, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not Repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons, the idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their or their thefts. And so you have this very stubborn, reluctant population of people who are left on the planet, uh, many of whom are just angry. Uh, they don't want to uh, submit themselves and humble themselves to God. And so you know, chapter 9 ends with this very somber note. And it's the reason why God's going to have to turn up the heat. Because the seals and then the trumpets and then the bowls become more intense as, as it goes on. And so this is what God is going to do. He's, it's going to become more intense in order to, you know, try to turn the hearts of people who were just reluctant and stubborn. So, So here we go. Chapter 10. I'll read it and then we'll pray. Chapter 10. I saw... "'Still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices.' Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished, as he declared to his servants the prophets. And then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hands of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat, and it will make your stomach bitter but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. And then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, as we come before you now, opening up your word, looking in here to the book of Revelation, we pray that you would help us to understand these things, Lord, and prepare us. Uh, I pray that we would be ready for your imminent return, uh, whatever day that might be, that we would always uh, be watching and uh, waiting, and that our hope would always be in you, Uh, not on the things of this earth, not, not in the people of this earth, but Lord, always our hope Fixed on you, the author and finisher of our faith. So we love you. Thank you for being with us tonight as we study your word together. Bless this time in your word. We ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, at the end of, uh, rather at the beginning of chapter 10, John sees this mighty angel as mentioned there in verse 1. And um, he says, Still another mighty angel, because back in chapter 5, he had seen a mighty angel, a strong angel, which we identified as probably uh, Gabriel. But here in chapter 10, the question becomes, who is this mighty angel? Now, when you look at the description again, and I'll just read verse 1, there's some similarities between the description of this angel and actually the description of Jesus uh, back in chapter 1. But here, here again in, in verse 1 of chapter 10, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. And then verse 2 talks about how he had a little book open in his hand or some translations literally say a little scroll. And so we have the description of this mighty angel. And it tells us that he was clothed with a cloud, which is similar to the coming of Jesus in Revelation chapter one, verse seven. It tells us that Jesus, uh, John gets like a preview in chapter one of the second coming of Christ, which doesn't really happen until chapter 19, but he gets a preview of the second coming of Christ. And he talks about how Jesus was coming with the clouds And also this mighty angel is described as having a rainbow on his head, just kind of like enveloping his head. And that's similar to the rainbow that is around the throne of God mentioned in chapter 4, verse 3. In addition, John says here about this angel that his face was like the sun, which is similar to the countenance of Jesus in Revelation 1.16 when John is writing here about the description of the second coming of Christ. And it also tells us here in chapter 10 that the feet of this mighty angel were like pillars of fire. And that's similar to the description of Jesus back in chapter 1, verse 15, which said that Jesus' feet were like bronze as if refined in a furnace. Now, I point out the similarities between this mighty angel and Jesus in chapter one, not to make the argument that this angel is Jesus, but just to kind of let you know that there are those comparisons and that some Bible scholars do believe that this angel in chapter 10 is actually Jesus. I just don't fall into that camp. There are other Bible scholars, and I tend to bend in this direction, who, who don't actually believe that this is Jesus. And here are the reasons why. Uh, first of all, when you look at uh, Revelation as a whole, Jesus is not described as an angel in the book of Revelation. He is Lord of the angels, using them to execute his judgment on the earth. Now, I will concede that in the Old Testament, there are times that Jesus appears, and he's referred to sometimes as the angel of the Lord. Not that Jesus is an angel. You know, look, Jesus is God, and he is infinitely superior to any angel, but just descriptively, sometimes in the Old Testament, he is called the angel of the Lord when Jesus makes an appearance prior to When he is born of a virgin, when God comes to earth, the incarnation that happens when God's seed is implanted into the womb of Mary and God takes on flesh and dwells among us and God enters our world. Prior to that event, there are different times that Jesus appears in our Old Testament and the appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament is called, in theological terms, a Christophany, which means just an appearance of Christ. An epiphany is an appearance of God, right? But a Christophany is an appearance of Christ. And there are different Christophanies in the Old Testament. So that's why some people look at chapter 10 and they say, well, it's an angel, it's a mighty angel. There are similarities to Jesus in chapter 1. And so this very well could be Jesus. But again, in the book of Revelation, distinct from the times that Jesus sometimes appeared in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord... Jesus never appears as an angel in the book of Revelation. Uh, He always appears as the Lord and is often identified as the Lamb. That is the title by which Jesus refers to himself more than any other title in the book of Revelation because he wants to be known as that redemptive Lamb that came to die for the sins of the world. But he's never seen as an angel in the book of Revelation. Another important point, I think, as to why this is not... Jesus is because John identifies this angel as another. If you look there in verse 1, he says, I saw another mighty angel. And the Greek word here in the original language is alon, meaning another of the same kind. He would have probably used the word heteros, meaning another of a different kind if it were Jesus. So the fact that he specifically says another mighty angel, alon, He's probably saying, just like a mighty angel in chapter 5, which is probably Gabriel, this is a mighty angel like that one, but not like Jesus. Thirdly, it's important to point out that this mighty angel comes to the earth between the sixth and the seventh trumpets, but Jesus does not come to earth until after the tribulation, which is chapter 19. That's when we see Jesus appearing. And so for those reasons... And others, but those are just three. I don't believe that this is Jesus. So then the question again is who is the mighty angel of Revelation chapter 10? Does it really matter? I mean, it's all speculation. So it's just a mighty angel, that's what matters. But to put a name to it, probably, not definitively, but probably Michael the Archangel. This is probably a reference to Michael the archangel, just doesn't name him here. And by the way, Michael is listed in the Bible as the only archangel. There are not other archangels in the book of Jude. That is the only one reference in the Bible to Michael being the archangel, meaning he is probably superior to any other angels. And there's a reason why. His descript- If in fact this is Michael, which I believe it's, it's probably Michael, there's a reason why the description of him is so similar to the description of Jesus in chapter 1. And, and here's the reason, because Michael's name, Michael in the Hebrew, means who is like God. And it would explain the similarity of characteristics while representing God's presence, authority, and power. So while you look at this and go, wow, this is pretty similar to Jesus in chapter 1, yeah, well... The archangel Michael, whose very name means who is like God, represents the presence, authority, and power of the Lord. So, following up now here in your Bibles, chapter 10, reading on verse 2 again. We're just going to come back and unpack each of these verses. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. So this is quite a mighty creature here. And John sees this angel with one foot on the sea, one foot on the land. And that basically is indicating to us that this angel has been given complete authority by God over land and sea. For this moment, this angel has been given complete authority over land and sea. And it says in verse 3, And he cried and cried with a loud voice, As when... A lion roars, and when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. So that part there about seven thunders uttering their voices has created a lot of discussion over the years by different Bible scholars. And uh, one of the things that is uh, probably uh, most likely relevant to that is um, it may describe, in fact, the seven these seven uttered thunderings probably reflective of the voice of God, because when David writes in Psalm 29 about the voice of the Lord, there are seven different times, I'm going to read it to you, there are seven different times that David describes the voice of the Lord, and it's probably a parallel to this, talking about the seven thunderings, the seven thunderings that uttered their voices. It's probably just a statement about the sound of God's voice, and here's what David wrote in Psalm 29 verses 3 to 9. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian, like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forests bare and his temple. And in his temple, everyone says, Glory And so David writes there in Psalm 29 about the thunderous sound of the voice of God. He repeats that word voice seven times to kind of describe, you know, the the, uh, magnitude of God's voice. And so these seven thunders are probably aspects of God's divine wrath, which he's going to order here, John, to not write. John hears the thunderous voice of God's divine wrath here, but then... God says to him in in verse 4, Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. And so whatever this thunderous wrath of God is, for the time being, he says to John, I don't want you to write about this. Now this may end up being the seven bowls, But for the time being, John hears the preview, but he's told, now don't write any of this stuff down. And he says in verse 5 that the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him. So now the angel is going to take an oath by God who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. In other words, there's going to be a point in all of this where there's no turning back. And God is saying here at this point, delay no longer, no turning back. But, verse 7, in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. In other words, the unfolding of God's plan for the ages is about to be uh, displayed here that the mystery of God would be finished and as he declared to his servants the prophets. You know, the prophets of the Old Testament and even the prophetic things of the New Testament either have or will have its fulfillment in its time. God is saying, listen, the unfolding of his plan for the ages is about ready to be fulfilled here. And then this very interesting part here at the end of chapter 10 where he says in in verse uh, 8, and then the voice which I heard, uh, from heaven uh, spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So this, this is, uh, you read different commentaries, and they say this is John's commissioning. I mean, all the way in chapter 10, but he gets finally commissioned here. But this whole idea about eating the scroll, and aren't you glad it's a little book? I mean, if it were a big book, he'd be chowing down for how long to finally consume the thing. But it's an edible book. It's an edible book to him. And so he's told, Go take the book. And so he says in verse 9, So I went. I, I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, which is kind of an interesting thing. You know, when you think about this mighty angel, one foot on the sea, one foot on the land, and he's got this book, and, and John says, Give me the book. I mean, you know, that's that's bold. <laughs> Give me the book. And so he, he gives him the book. And he said, The angel said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter. But it will also be as sweet as honey in your mouth. In other words, we use the expression, this is bittersweet.
1: That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this edition in Revelation again... Or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary through his Bible teachings, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Or you can download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go. It's a great way to have a quiet time anytime. You'll find a link on our website, along with more information about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you. Come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Is there anything happening in your life right now that we could be praying for? We'd be honored to do that for you. Or is there anything God's doing that deserves some rejoicing? Please let us know. We love that we can interact with our listeners. So send us a quick email and we'll get back to you soon prayer at cornerstonechapel.net That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. Put a marker where we left off in this final book of the Bible and make plans to join Pastor Gary next time for more. Right here on Cornerstone
0: Connection.